There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Adam, did you row at Eton? Row, row, row your boat. Yeah. That was the guy in the middle, whatever you call him. <laughs> the uh, guy in the middle. Well, there's no middle in an eight, right? Or do you mean on a single? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. There you go, Adam. So st- no, I, I was in the one where there's three is. Three? Yeah. Uh, a three. Oh, did that not, not, did not, not, did not go around in circles? Do you not know about that one? No. Oh, well. you, so you were the really weak one? Or a really strong one? The really strong one. Maybe they just didn't tell you about it because they didn't want you to feel like a loser for being in the normal one. But I was in the one with three of us, and uh, it's basically like the super strong one. Like Jamie... when the Olympics is on, you have to press the red button to watch R1. <laughs> uh... They don't like proper televise it because I mean... like, we don't want the other Olympic athletes to feel like losers. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts. We're still here with Adam Rowe. Jamie, Jamie, was, Jamie was the cox. At, at school, weren't you? I wasn't the Cox. No, I didn't row you're... at school. I, I played a lot of sport, but I, the one you, thing I but did... I thought you were the Cox. No, I didn't. I didn't For row. the women's Rowing... crew. You, at my school, you were either a wet bob or a dry bob, and I was a dry bob. A wet bob or a dry bob? Yeah, a wet bob or a dry bob. Wet bobs obviously rode, and dry bobs were just cool and played rugby and uh, football and things like that. And cricket. A, and cricket. I was a dry bob. Well, I mean, I don't know if, you, I don't know if the, the dry bobs were... Cooler, but yeah, they were. They were way cooler at my school. Yeah, way, know. way cooler. Hey, Adam, listen. Um, I want to talk about uh, something that you you've done. You you've created your own stand-up special, right? I have, mate. Um, yeah, Did you so edit it all? I've uh, overseen the editing. I've had someone mm. edit it for me um, because I basically paid him to do it. When I, I the guy who filmed it, it, I agreed a deal with him before I learned how to use Premiere Pro that he would film and edit it for me. So I've been sort of just sending them very detailed notes. Ah. Um, is that not really Is that not really hard? Because you're basically, you're creating your own special. That's that's like an intense process, right? Um, it can be. I mean, I, it, it's a bit different to a normal stand-up special. So anyone who's a fan of stand-up comedy and watches like the specials that Netflix put out or comedy DVDs, normally when you do one of these things, you're in a theatre full of your own fans... Um, we've all come to see you and you've decided this is the night of the tour. We're going to film the full hour. Um, that's what we're going to do. I did it a little bit differently. So there's a comedy club in London, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, called The Comedy Store. It's fairly world famous. Um, uh, yep, performed there. Yeah, <laughs> I know you have, mate. Yeah, that was your yeah. first gig, wasn't it? What a yeah, first gig that is. But the Comedy Central Store, as <laughs> yeah, you called it. Yeah, that's what I said when I came on stage. Hello, Comedy Central Store. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Not only they had a reality TV star on stage, then I called it the Comedy Central Store. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> terrible. I cannot tell you how much that will have pissed off the owner of the I Comedy know. Store. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> mate, it was terrible. So so hang on. So you, so you recorded... So explain what you were saying. So... When before you're sort of a huge tour and names a comedian, I do do my own tours now, but you do a lot of comedy club work where there's like four or five comics on the same bill 
and you do 20 minutes each and there's intervals and it's just people are not going to see a specific act. They're going because they want to go to the comedy club. And I thought I want to shoot a special in that environment. Yeah. So it's not in front of my fans. It's just a neutral audience. That's so, cool. And we filmed two sets. So we filmed the early show and then we filmed the late show. It was 20 minutes from each show and I've just put them together to make a 40-minute special. Oh, that's, that, that's a really good idea. It, it just it, it gives it something a little bit different. It's inspired by there's a, a New York comic called Andrew Schultz who did something yeah. not a million miles away from this a few years ago, which I thought was really good. And I just wanted to put my own spin on it and do it. Um, so I've called it Club Comic, and it's going to come out on my YouTube channel. Uh, well, by the time this episode goes out, it'll already be out on YouTube.com slash Adam Rowe Comedy. Um, wait, and I'm really that's proud so of it. cool. I, think it's good. I can't wait to see that. And wait, actually, so because one of the things when you're actually performing in front of an audience that has come to see you is like they, you've already won them over. So yeah. you lose that. That's that my bit point. Of, right? That you lose yeah. that bit. Of, that, is that your point? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, that was my point. Sorry, that I Jamie, just said. I forgot. Yeah. Stop uh, taking sorry, my point from Sorry, I didn't mean to, to say your point, point before you did uh, make it. <laughs> That was my whole point. Why are you taking it from me? That was my whole point. But um, but basically, uh, yeah, you, you, there's that period of time where you have to win them over with that. There, there's an organic state where you've got to do those those jokes, those opening jokes, where which are so yeah. key to like getting them on side and... And uh, it's just, I guess it's a different feel, a different vibe when it's, when it's a, a fresh, like totally um, unknown audience. Absolutely. Um, but I quite like that. I, I love comedy clubs. I really, really do. I'm obsessed. I can't like the, the fact mm. we're in lockdown and I can't go to them at the minute and just do what I, I, I do normally four five, six nights a week. Is driving me insane, mate. Isn't um, that sorry to you, Isn't that epic, Alan? That you freaking love doing that. Like, because a lot of a, a lot of comedians, I I know they they like, hate it. It's they, just a day <laughs> they job. fucking hate it. They hate <laughs> it. But but as in a lot of comedians probably would get nervous or freak out about trying new material or all that kind of worry about the audience going to be right. But you just actually just freaking love going to. It. You're like, oh my god, I can't wait to do it. I do, and this is going to sound a little bit arrogant. I don't care if the new material's shit. Like, if it's a new material night and I've gone down, on a new material night, normally the audience have either got in for free or it's a, like a couple of quid to cover the costs of running the show, like the opening and the staff and that. So the, the comedians don't get paid for a new material night most of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not getting paid, I don't really feel like I owe the audience my best work. Yeah, yeah. So I'm quite happy to go on with a bit of paper with a few ideas scribbled on of, oh, what if I talk about this? And yeah. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if it works a little bit, then I can go away and go, oh, I'll, I'll sort that out. Yeah, you, know you I mean? find, like, you find. I, I think like new material is kind of like panning for gold in a way because you're like, you're, 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 you're scanning, you're, you're, you know, scattergun all this, all this new stuff. You occasionally might get a bit of a fleck of gold and sometimes you get a nugget. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like the best feeling when something new works. Oh, th- there's nothing better. There's nothing better in, in, in live performing as a stand-up comedian. There's nothing better than a new bit properly working. Um, but yeah, like I say, I, I the, the only reason you've ever got to be nervous as a comedian is, oh my God, what if this isn't funny? 
And if I'm doing new material, I don't give a shit if it's not funny yet. <laughs> it will I, be eventually, or I'll, or I'll drop it. And if, but tell me, so with the stand-up special, what kind of if so the crowd wasn't really your crowd. You put two halves together. Is it kind of a story based? Does it does it have a narrative throughout, or is it two kind of narratives? No, not really. Um, the the idea of a narrative throughout sort of spawns from the idea of doing full hour shows at the Edinburgh Festival, where yeah. you know people tend to weave in and out of one solid storyline. With club comedy, the idea is to just be as funny as possible, as as funny as possible, as often as possible, until yeah. your time's up. So it's that. But what I've really tried to do, there's a lot of cliches around club comedy, and that it's all sex jokes and dick jokes and vagina jokes and oh, what's it like when your mother-in-law's being a bitch? It's all like that's the, that's what people sort of think of as club comedy. So I've tried to steer clear from that as much as possible. There's a couple of sexual references in there. I'm not saying there isn't, but there's, it's a lot more opinion-based than there's an age joke in it, so you're going to love that, Jamie. No, oh, I love yeah. that one. Right up your yeah. street, Jamie. There we go, baby. It's something along the lines of, like, I tell the audience that my girlfriend doesn't drink and they all go dead silent apart from one woman who goes, oh, no. <laughs> and I say, yeah, that's the right reaction. Telling a room full of British people that someone doesn't drink gets the same reaction as being at an orgy and hearing someone go, by the way, Dave's got AIDS. <laughs> 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 Most people are uncomfortable and silent and one woman's really upset. <laughs> <laughs> that's too good. That is but too there, good. But there are actually, like, there, there are, well, uh, the one comedian who springs to mind um, is Norm MacDonald, who, who really loves doing that club I mean he actually I think he doesn't do arenas and things like that I suppose there are a lot of comedians maybe Adam Schultz is, is another one who prefer to do the club environment rather than the sort of big arena even though they could probably even though Norm Macdonald could I think clearly fill, a, yeah, fill an think, arena um, in America yeah I think in America I think the big difference between American and British comedy is the top level comedians in America go back to comedy clubs a week after they shoot their special so yeah for example, there's an American guy called Bill Bear, who's my favorite yeah, comedian. Love him. I, I was very, very, very fortunate. On his last UK tour, I opened for him on the four did you? tour dates. Yeah. So we did Manchester, we did Glasgow, and we did two nights at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Is he a good guy? Oh, I was going to go to that, but I was actually gigging on the, on that night. I was going to go to the last <laughs> the, the last night at the, the Royal Albert Hall. phenomenal. And he's really? so down to earth and sound. And... But a week after he shot that special, he was at the comedy store in LA just working out new material. Really? Over here, our top-level comedians, they film their DVD and then they take a break for a year and then they do a work-in-progress tour in, in small art centres but in front of their own fans. And I think that's why the very best comedians in America are quite a bit ahead of the very best comedians in this country for me. I think it's because they're constantly performing in front of people yeah. who aren't necessarily their fans. That's where you get better when you've got to win them over. Because yeah, yeah. you, the, let's say the biggest laugh you can get is a ten out of ten. If you're in front of your own fans, you start at a seven. Yeah. So you've only got to do a joke worthy of a three out of ten to get a ten. If you're in a comedy club, you start at maximum at like a two, because yeah. it's not a zero because people are there and they want to see comedy. So they're still like, I hope this guy's good. But they're not invested in you or your personality. And you, yeah. you, you've you got to get that over as quick as possible. And that's... Well, do, you, 
that's yeah. actually that's actually I, I think when I started comedy that's what that's why I um, kind of did it under the radar I, I, because I, I knew that going to a place where, where they were like announcing that I was going to go and do stand up I would have already kind of won over the uh, a, a portion of the audience and so yeah, like uh, well I mean it, it, I wanted to be- test my stuff on, on, a, on a, a cold room as it were so I kn- so yeah. I know that if I'm getting a laugh it's because the joke and the material is is good and actually i really my performance was was not like uh, you know what it is now then when i started so i really had to rely on the writing and making sure that actually even if i just said it completely deadpan the writing would elicit a laugh and then i yeah. knew that that there was something there to work on um, but yeah. it's, i guess the same thing like and, and like we were talking about when you're actually doing a tour you've got people actually coming to see you and so yeah, you, it's it's a lot easier. It's enjoyable, but it's, it's it's. And also, like if you work your material through in comedy, if you get to a point where you are touring, and I'm lucky enough to be there now, where I'll do maybe a twenty to thirty day tour with m- most dates will be between a hundred and four hundred people. So like London and Newcastle, I do about four hundred tickets. Manchester's about two hundred. Leeds maybe close to two hundred. There's a, like Birmingham was only about a hundred, but it was still, that filled the room. Liverpool, I do quite a lot because Liverpool's a very yeah, parochial yeah. city, and they get behind their own. So I do a fairly big room in Liverpool. But if you work the material through in comedy clubs before you go on that tour, and it's it's good enough to make comedy club audiences laugh, then when you put that in front of your own fans, yeah, you exceed your own fans' expectations because they're yeah. like, holy shit, they they're not just getting the the three out of ten that takes them to a ten, they're getting a a ten out of ten joke that would make someone who doesn't like you laugh. Yeah, and yeah. they're adding that onto already liking you, and it just means that you, your shows are a lot better. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And it's the best feeling when you actually when you actually win over a crowd that you can see don't like you. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, mate, it's, 100%. It's when you, when you, because it's like you're forcing them to laugh. Like they can't control it, but they just, you know, it's... it's, it's... I, I get that sometimes in like... Because I, my favorite thing to do is try and get a laugh from a subject that should we shouldn't be getting a laugh from. Like just taboo subjects that I'm like... I can make a part of that funny. So in the show that's coming out or is already out for the listeners, um, I'll go through in my head the set list, if I can remember the order. So we start with um, slave labor. Then we go to... Always good one to start with. Alcoholics. Then we go to terrorism. Then we go to homophobia. And then the second half of the show is all about fat shaming and transphobia. And I don't think any of it's offensive, but it's all on taboo subjects. Yeah. And I like doing that. And because there's certain buzzwords that make yeah. people a bit triggered. If I do a gig in like a young gig in London, like there's a comedy club called Top Secret Comedy Club in London, which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. got a very young audience and they tend to be a slightly more 
woke and socially aware than others. And sometimes at that gig, in the first two minutes, I feel them go, whoa, who's this guy? No, not yeah. having this, not at all. But by the end of the set, they love me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a good gig, and if they listen to you, then you're going to have a good gig. That's more satisfying than going on, and they're all right with you straight away. If you win them over and you go from, we don't like them, to, holy yeah. fuck, that was dead funny. Yeah, but I, I, th- I think I had with- my favorite ever gig at Top Secret. I think it was just, it's the most like enjoyable place to perform, I think. I think the three best comedy clubs in the whole of the UK are Top Secret, The Comedy Store, and Hot Water Comedy Club in Liverpool. I think yeah. they're the best three. Uh, th- but also, there's this thing, right, with comedians, is that because it's your life, how is it hard sometimes to separate it that every single time you're speaking to someone... Or, or you experience something, you go, oh, that would be good for content. That would be good for content. It's quite hard to separate your life sometimes because everything could be funny. So you're always constantly looking for new material. Or do you sometimes go into work mode and sometimes into normal no, mode? No, I, I, I'm very much sort of, I'll, I'll wait for something to happen to me. Really? I very, very, very rarely sit down with a pen and paper and go, I'm going to write for an hour and it's all going to be stand up and I'm going to try it tonight. I yeah. tend to just like, I get a lot of thoughts when I'm just dropping off, going to sleep. So mm. I've always got either a notebook or my phone by the bed. So I'll just go on my notes and just type out a bit of like an idea that could turn into something eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll have a look now and see what I've got. I can't wait. In the past <laughs> uh, week or two. I can't. So, <laughs> so you had this by your bed. So every single time you go to see, you just start writing stuff. Every now and then I'll just go, oh, yeah, what about that idea? Do you know, so- actually, Thomas Edison used that technique. Um, he, he actually hacked it, right? So he would sit in a chair and he'd hold some ball bearings in his hand and put two pots uh, 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 on either side of him, on either side of his chair. And so that when he would basically fall asleep, he, he would drop, uh, he would be in that sort of thing. He would drop the uh, ball bearings and it would wake him up and he'd then write down whatever was in his mind. Really? Yeah. yeah. I love that. It's because your brain's going towards sleep. It becomes more creative because it's got to yeah. start creating dreams for you. But yeah. before it does that, it it's still grounded in reality. It's a really weird thing. I've never tried to sort of do it purposefully, but um, so these th- this will show you sort of um that initially ideas are often there's no jokes here at all. Uh-huh. This is just a concept that I'm going to try and add bits into. So one of the things I've got written down is Amazon Prime is such a good idea that nobody cares how awful a company Amazon are. Yeah. <laughs> like some companies have to be perfect for us to use them. And other companies can literally use modern day slavery. <laughs> but if they'll deliver something within 24 hours, we'll let it slide. There's yeah. some companies that just can't violate human rights to that level and still yeah. keep our custom. But Amazon yeah. Prime is too useful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It is. Yeah, you would. You just, you just, and the fact that you do, we let it slide. We're like, oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah okay. we're just like, Rah. Like there's so many companies that are quite clearly awful for the environment <laughs> and the planet but you're like it's so convenient though yeah, so, so we'll just let it we're just gonna let it go yeah kids need jobs you know uh, oh my god i love that That's um i've got an idea that i i hate religion but i like religious people <laughs> what do you mean like i just think generally speaking religious people are quite nice they, mm. they're trying to do yeah. the right thing but i don't think 
organized religion is necessarily a good thing for the world. But what I love the most, I seen this a while ago. Um, I love it when someone who is religious, like a Christian, for example, just puts their own spin on Christianity as if it's now fact. So there was a woman I worked with a few years ago and she was a lot older than me. And she was a fairly devout Christian. And I was like, so it was around Christmas time. And she was like, yeah, so what I believe is on Christmas day, I believe Jesus visits every Christian household in the world for like five minutes so that everyone gets to spend a bit of Christmas with Jesus. And I was like, you can't just add that into Christianity. There's no foundation for that whatsoever. Well, that's what I believe. It's like, well, you can't just believe something with fucking no reason for it whatsoever. And I just love the innocence of it. Yeah, yeah. Just... making it so pleasant and nice. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I guess that's how the, how the you know, a lot of these different branches of Christianity kind of came about. Someone thought, well, maybe he maybe that's visit, what I visits say. us all for a few minutes at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love how she thinks five minutes in every Christian household, every Christian household gets five minutes and he manages to fit that into a 24-hour period. (laughs) Hey, um, Francis, we got to that moment. We need to have the answer to the question of the week, buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, Right now, the answer... Well, the answer was the same, actually. But the uh, the question was, what (laughs) is the... Uh, what does avocado mean? Yeah, and you said Jamie fruit, fruit of the of, tree. Fruit of the tree. Uh huh. And I said vegetable of the gentrification. <laughs> vegetable of the gentrification. The answer is actually testicle. It's the Aztec word for testicle. No. Yeah. Makes sense. It looks. Though, it, it looks like a testicle. Yeah. So well, it yeah. also it's got like a nut within a bag, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bag. <laughs> It's like a thick leather bag. Yeah, well, it's like a wrinkly green bag. <laughs> a wrinkly green sack. It, just, so then... it looks like an infected testicle. Yeah. Hey, Adam, listen. Um, so we can get your special now. It's on YouTube, right? Where can we get it again? Yeah, youtube.com slash Adam Rowe Comedy. That's A-D-A-M-R-O-W-E-C-O-M-E-D-Y. Mate, honestly, I can't wait to watch. You're hilarious, honestly. And always coming on the podcast, you're great. I can't wait. To, so we can get it there. And then when are you going to be touring as soon as everything gets lifted again? As soon as I'm legally allowed to announce tour dates, I will be doing so. I, I had to cancel. A, I, my, the, the lockdown came right towards the end of my last tour, so I still had a few dates to do. Um, so I'll, I'll be rescheduling them, but I'll also be adding a load more because even the tour dates I've already done, the cities I've already been to, like Manchester and London and Birmingham, by the time this is all over, I'll have a new hour of stuff to talk about. So I'll be going on tour at some point. And you, if you follow me on social media and my website's just adamrow.co.uk, if you want to come and see me live, as soon as lockdown's over, you'll, you'll be able to in some capacity. Hey, listen, Adam, if, cool. you, need a, if you need a hype man, if you need some guy. That would be guy. awesome. If you want, listen, you're northern, I'm southern. And, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you're northern. Southern. Put them together, here we go. This is Rowan a sitcom waiting to happen, isn't it? We just Mate. move into a flat in Birmingham, me and uh, you. We one of move them's in... northern, the we other can... one's southern. How are they going to survive in the Midlands? Coming <laughs> up on Channel 4. Yeah, we could also like put ourselves in a terraced house. I get it's... annoyed because I'm like, where's the terrace? And you're like, it's not a terrace house. It's a terraced house. 
There's so many layers here. Francis could be like our friend who comes in and out. Shit, we've got it, man. Brand this new sitcom, it. Posh and a Bottle of Vex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, Adam, thank you so much for coming once again, buddy. Uh, listen, uh, what we like to do at the end of the podcast is leave our listeners with something inspirational. Listen to my podcast. You'll get your inspiration there. What's your podcast <laughs> called? My podcast is called Have a Word with Adam Rowe and Dan Nightingale. It's, Where the uh, fuck have we not been invited on it? Because it doesn't have guests yet, but you're welcome to come on it as soon as we're back from uh, lockdown. We've got a little yeah. Sorry, Jamie. He, Adam actually did invite me on it, but... Yeah. What? Awkward. Fra- Francis coming on. Do you want to come with him? No, I, I want to be our solo. I want to oh, be okay. our... Jamie, so, would you like yeah. to come on my podcast once lockdown is over? Have you asked Francis? No. Yeah, I'd love to come on. (laughs) Adam, honestly, buddy, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Everyone, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.